Today's episode is part one of a two-part conversation with Natasha, where we talk about anxiety and the fear of hell, responding to every altar call to make sure Jesus was in her heart, living as a child with OCD, and believing that her depression was because she was a bad Christian. And as a bonus, you get to hear my conversion story. You're listening to Through a Glass Darkly, a podcast about following Jesus while living with a mental illness. Today's guest is extra special for me because I've known her since I was five and we've gone through a lot together. That makes sense, since Natasha is my sister. We've seen each other at our best and at our worst, gone through the highs and lows of family life, and come out the other side not only still talking, but with love for and pride in each other. Well, on my end anyway, but maybe I shouldn't speak for her. I've also seen how much work she's put into learning how to live in a healthy way, learning how to live a full life while living with a mental illness, and so I knew that this, combined with her thoughtfulness, would make her a great guest for the podcast. I'm excited to share this one with you, and I imagine it will feel a little bit like listening in on a family's dinner conversation. I hope you enjoy it. With me is a very special guest. I call her Sissy Bear. She is also known as Natasha, my sister from the same mister, in fact. (laughs) So uh, yes, welcome. Thank you for, for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's going to be an interesting interview, I think, because we share history. So it'll be interesting to get your take on it and uh, how much of it we saw the same way and how much of it we saw incredibly different. And I'm curious to see how I turn out in this. So this will be, <laughs> this will be really good. So, okay. What is the faith background? What was, what was faith like for you growing up in our family? How would you explain it to somebody? Yeah, so I was thinking about this and I was like, I feel like I was born into Christianity. Like that's what I have in my head because I don't think there's like a memory in existence where it wasn't part of life from the start. Like earliest memories are going to church, earliest memories are praying together as a family going to Christian school. Um, So it was just always a part of life from before I can even remember. Yes. The praying together as a family, I don't remember as much, but um, really, it's possible I just blocked that out. (laughs) There was definitely a lot of praying together. Maybe it was separate. Maybe it was me and mom, but maybe there was a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, so you started going to Christian school at JK, right? Same as me? SK, yes. SK, right. Yes, I started Christian school up until grade seven. Then I went to public school for grade eight. Right. Onward. Yes, (laughs) this is so strange because, yeah, I've been thinking about this too. I guess what role do you think it played in our family? Like, did it... I'll just leave it there. I don't I feel like I, it'll be so easy for me to influence your answers because I have my own. So yeah, what role, what role did it play in our family and how did that impact you? I guess would be the other main one. Okay. Like Christianity in general. Yeah. And like how it was, how it was understood within our family, how it was lived out. Um, 
the ways yeah. that it kind of influenced mom and dad, um, yeah. expectation wise or like behavior wise, like all those types of things. Okay. Yeah. For me, it was, it was very behavior based, I guess I want to say, like I felt, I think I always felt growing up, like there was an expectation of who I should be based on who a Christian should be from all of the people around me. So like, including mom and dad and like my teachers and church leaders and my friends from Christian school, because everyone in my life basically was a Christian. Like I've had very little exposure outside of that as a child for me anyways, um, because I didn't have like a lot of friends like in the neighborhood. I didn't really have any friends outside of school and we all were taught the same thing. So um, there was definitely in my head anyways, uh, this idea of what it means to be a Christian and how I needed to behave. And I think home that was how I felt as well like that was an expectation of what a Christian is like and what I can and cannot do and how I should behave um and all of those things so what were some of the expectations I guess what what were what was the behavior code that you felt like seven-year-old Natasha was supposed to be living up to yeah so I guess I I felt like I had to be, I want to say perfect in a very specific way. Like I could not do anything that would be considered like a quote unquote sin. Um, so I, I have very vivid memories of being probably grade one, like grade five, six years old, maybe. Um, and in my head, knowing that like stealing is bad, like you cannot steal. Um, and I had this like chalkboard at home and I really needed chalk for it because I didn't have chalk to use on this like play chalkboard. And I remember taking like the tiniest little crumb of chalk from the blackboard at school and putting it in my pocket and taking it home for my chalkboard and just being like racked with guilt that like oh my God, I did such a bad thing. Like I am going to hell because I stole this little crumb of chalk and I I didn't tell anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, there was just so such an expectation of this like perfection based on what was a sin and what wasn't, I would say more perfection in that way. Not like I have to get perfect grades. I have to, it was like, I have to be a perfect Christian. Right. And that means like not sinning. Uh, and if I do, I better be like, really like feel really bad about it and ask for forgiveness or else that's it. Like I'm gone. I'm going to hell. That's it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Was that, was that like onerous for you though? Like I can't, I'm trying to think of like how many situations would pop up where you're like, Oh, this is a real temptation for, for the six-year-old to sin. Like I just, Or was it just like a general feeling of like, there's so many things out here that I can't do. 
Yes, it was definitely like everything is a sin. Not everything, but essentially, like I feel like if I even had a negative thought about someone, it was like, oh, Natasha, that's bad. Like you thought, you know, that so-and-so was a jerk and now like that's a bad thought or you told like a white lie about this and that's bad. Everything was so catastrophic in my head. Um, And I yeah, went around like monitoring everything I did to be what I thought I needed to be or should be, I guess. When you think back, was it you thought you needed to be that to please people, like to please God, just to be safe? Like what was the internal motivation for you? Um, I think it was a combination of things. I think the biggest piece was like to please God and really the piece, like the biggest thing in that was just, I need to go to heaven. Like, honestly, I feel like that was my motivation for most of what I did as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't even really like, I want to please God. Cause I love him. It was like, I need to please him so that I don't go to hell. Right. Um, and then also I think there was definitely a big piece about like pleasing mom and dad um, and, and not like pleasing in that they're happy with me, but almost just like making sure they're not disappointed in me. Um, So if I did something that was wrong or whatever I considered wrong, I didn't want them to look at me like, Oh my God, like we can't believe our daughter did that. Or like, just disappointing them in what they wanted for their daughter or who she should be. Right. Do you remember there being a lot of teaching about hell or, or being talked about quite a bit? Like it seems, yeah. it would seem that if you, if that was a primary motivation, you, it would seem then that it was something that was very frequently being brought up either as, like just in passing or as an actual specific threat. Do you remember that being the case? Um, I do. And I don't know where the line is between like, I was maybe sensitive to that. So I picked it out more from like teachings as well, but it was definitely there. Um, like did mom and dad take you to heaven's gates and hell's flames? Did you go to that? Yeah. I went to that every year. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was like a constant. Um, yeah. I feel like even in school, like it was just something that was talked about in like we talked about like Christianity stuff all the time in school because it was Christian school and you went to chapel like we had it everywhere and it was definitely talked about a lot and I think any time that I brought up any like worry about it by like voiced that that was a concern for me which was not very often because I didn't feel comfortable bringing it up like I thought that if I said, like, I'm scared that I'm going to go to hell, people would be like, oh, why are you bad? Like, have you done bad things? So I didn't really voice it often. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I did, I think at least from like at home, it was like, well, let's just pray. Let's pray about it then. Like, don't worry. You just have to pray and ask God. Like, and so (laughs) it was kind of just circling itself, like reinforcing this idea that like, okay, then I, maybe I wasn't good enough. Like I better pray about it. I better make sure that I'm like good with God because Mm -hmm. 
I'm clearly not if I'm worried about this. Yeah. Yeah. That we're teaching about, you should have an assurance if you're, yeah. If, if you don't have to worry about hell, you shouldn't be worrying about hell. But if, right. but if you are, <laughs> right. maybe, maybe God's trying to get your attention. <laughs> right. And I think looking at like the people around me, nobody else seemed to be worried about it, at least outwardly, no. right? No one talked about being worried that they were going to hell. Um, so in my head, I was like, well, clearly like something's wrong with me because I'm worried about it. So I'm going or... <laughs> I'm doing something bad because no one else is worried out here. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe they were, but it wasn't talked about. Mm -hmm. It was like hell is for all these like outside people that don't have Jesus and we better like help them. Mm -hmm. um, so the fact that I was worried about it was like, well, I'm one of them, I guess. Mm. So this constant worry about hell, were there things that you could point to specifically and think like, oh yeah, that is like, these are the things that I'm doing wrong. I know you mentioned about the chalk piece or was it just this like general feeling of like, no, like there's something, there's something wrong with me. So why, I guess, why were you just so worried about hell? I think it was probably a lot of things. Um, one, I think I just felt, yeah, like I wasn't doing what I needed to do to be a Christian. I don't think I understood what it meant like all these people talked about um, like being saved. You just have to ask Jesus to come in your heart. And I was like, I don't understand what that means. So like, how do I know if I've done it? Like, how do I know if I've done the things that I need to do to get me there? Um, so there was just a lot of like confusion and, and like not understanding in my mind. And then I think that combined with like the focus on, heaven and hell and various conversations, church sermons, like whatever, um, combined with probably being just a very anxious child really wrapped into like the perfect storm of worry. And that's what I became so fixated on. Um, probably because that was like the biggest thing to worry about mm -hmm. out of everything was like this eternal damnation that was mm -hmm. perhaps to come. Um, and so I just became stuck on that one thing. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I am curious and I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about it because, you know, from pretty early on, you exhibited some, some pretty significant obsessive compulsive behaviors. Do you think that that might've been like your first obsessive fixation? Um, I don't know. First, it was probably one of the first. Mm. Um, yeah, like looking back and I was thinking about this, I can remember like OCD type behaviors from four years old, probably like the, the earliest memories I have. Um, and so it kind of came around the same time, maybe a little bit later, but right. definitely was probably one of the earlier things, but I would mm -hmm. say less um, obsessive behaviors about it, more just like the thoughts, the yeah. compulsive thoughts for that one. Yeah. Do you remember any, uh, like I laugh as I ask this, but like, it's, it's such an absurd question. 
like, do you remember any positive messages related to Christianity? Was there any comfort or peace to be found in it in those kind of early experiences? I think it's hard to remember because the brain is the way it is and kind of amplifies negative experiences and we don't necessarily remember the positive ones as much. Um, I, I think there was like, I, I don't remember being like, I hate this Christianity thing. Like there was definitely aspects of it that I think I felt connected to or enjoyed. I, yeah, I wanted to be like, how do I want to say it? I definitely wanted a relationship with God. Like that was positive in my head. I just felt like I wasn't doing it right. I think is the thing. So I thought that that was a positive thing. And like, it seemed some, like something that I wanted and it had, you know, lots of benefits. And there was definitely times where I felt good about my relationship, but I think overall I had this sense of like, I'm not doing it quite right. Or maybe I'm not doing it. Not even that I knew I wasn't. It was always like, what if I'm not? Right. And that's, you know, a big piece of the anxiety thing too. But there was just this like constant self-doubt, I guess, of whether or not mm-hmm. I'm doing this Christianity thing right. Right. Yeah. That's always been something that, and even like not, not just in childhood, but throughout my whole life, I think it's been, I, I actually don't understand Christians that are at peace with like their relationship or standing. Like it makes no sense to me whatsoever, which is like far more of a reflection on me than it is on them. But yeah, this, this constant right. like anxiety or, or oh, what was the phrase that you use? Like the surveilling of yourself right to make sure that you're okay or haven't like strayed is yeah I get that so you're immersed in it it's at school it's at home we go to church I am curious so in in my experience mom and dad were very different in terms of how they understood and experienced and then kind of lived out faith was that your experience as well or had it had it shifted kind of a little bit by that time no it was definitely different um I think it's hard to say like mom's way of like living out faith or teaching about it was very is very clear to me in my mind and dad's is less so um which probably also just speaks to what he was like in terms of faith um or you know engaging with the church or things like that but they were different but I think as a kid I didn't I didn't really know that they were different if that makes sense like I didn't right I just assumed that they had the same beliefs whether one voiced one more or not because that's what made sense in my head. Like, why would they have different ideas? Right. At least as a child, that's kind of how I perceived it. Right. So would you say that there was like one specific, I don't know, experience that you could point to to say like, yeah, like that was what I understood to be like my conversion experience for lack of a better word, or it was just always something that was in your life. And 
yeah, this like constant uncertainty around whether or not you were doing it right. Yeah, I think um, I can remember like the first experiences where I really learned um, or was taught, sorry, what it what like meant to be a Christian, like how you became a Christian or whatever. Um, probably, I want to say grade two is where it became like an actual thought to me. Um, and I remember being in class and I don't know, we did some thing in our Bible class or whatever. And it was like, you have to ask Jesus to be in your heart. Like, this is how everyone always explained it. You have to ask mm -hmm. Jesus into your heart. I had no clue what that meant. I didn't understand. But I was like, I better do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so then I remember going home to mom and saying like, this is what we did at school. Like, but I don't know, like, how am I supposed to do it? And then she was like, well, let's do it now. So then mm -hmm. I did it again with her. And then I think I probably asked Jesus into my heart like 50 times after that because- mm -hmm. But you had to make sure. Well, I did. I did. I had to make sure. So every time I mm -hmm. went to like, you know, the passion play, it's like they called everybody up. I better, yeah. I better ask Jesus in my heart again. I better fill out the card, the Christian mm -hmm. card. I think there was because I don't know, might not mm -hmm. be, might not have done it right. Yeah. I'd have slipped out of there. <laughs> so yeah, I remember like the first the first experiences with it, but then it was like a constant, like I better renew this. Right. My membership. So would it be fair to say then that like the, the concept of grace of like this, man, I went to seminary. I should have explained <laughs> grace to better than this. Grace as, as this action on God's part, completely from his side, not dependent on your behavior or how well you can do things, but like his acceptance of you. It sounds like that was not at all a part of your experience. Like just the simple fact that you and I would <laughs> convert over and over and over again would suggest that grace was not something we grasped or were even really taught. No, definitely not. If it was talked about, it wasn't made a big deal because I do not remember it. Um, it definitely didn't go through in my brain um, because it was constantly like, you need to, you need to like ask for forgiveness for your sins. So for me, like those two things would be like not making sense together. Like, yeah, there's this grace, but then like, I'm constantly having to remember all the bad things I did and saying, I'm sorry for it. Or else like, if I forgot to say, sorry, like. I remember being this thought in my mind, like, what if I didn't like do my daily prayer of like, forgive me for these things. And I got in a car accident and I died now, like, that's it. Cause mm -hmm. I didn't do my, I didn't say I'm sorry yet for those things. Mm -hmm. Um, so there was no concept of that. If it was spoken about, I don't think it was very often, or at least not in a way that I understood. Right. That's for sure. Like certainly the if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? Like that is, that <laughs> yeah. is so like quintessentially nineties evangelicalism, right? Like, yeah. so yes, that, that messaging <laughs> is 100%. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So you're in Christian school till grade seven, and then suddenly you're not in Christian school anymore mm -hmm. and you are exposed to, and like, I know that you, I know you didn't have 
maybe close friends. You had connections in the neighborhood and certainly like you would go to my hockey games and play with the sisters and things like that of the kids who were playing, but, but yeah, grade eight would have been the big thing. So what what did that do to your, your anxiety ridden faith? Yeah, that was like a culture shock. If I ever saw one, I rem like, remember my first day of school and going to portable with like these kids in my class that I was just met and them opening their mouths and every other word being like the F word. And I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> like, I don't understand how you're talking like this. And it was like, I had anxiety for them. Cause I was like, don't, you know, like you, that's not good. Like mm. you're you know where you're going? Cause like, you're saying a lot of bad words right now. <laughs> um, it was total, like a new world for me. I didn't know what was happening. My guess is based on your personality and the level of anxiety. I'm sure you were feeling you, you wouldn't have been one of those kids that was like handing out the tracks and being like, you shouldn't say that because hell is waiting. No, I definitely probably never told anybody that I was a Christian or went to church because I probably had too much anxiety about them judging me on top mm. of everything. So I just kind of kept it to myself yeah. um, and assimilated as best I could without sinning in my mind. Right. Um, so I just kind of let them be who they were, but I also like wasn't going to engage in those things because... God forbid I mm -hmm. do something bad. Um, Did they notice that? Did they notice that there was, I mean, at least behaviorally that there was differences? Yeah, they definitely noticed. I remember um, there would always kind of be comments and this has been like through my whole life that like Natasha doesn't swear, or, like Natasha doesn't do this or that. Um, I don't think they knew why they just thought like, Right. Oh, like you just don't do that. Like you're a good girl or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, they didn't really like put that with a specific religious affiliation or anything. It was just like, Oh, you're good. Like you don't do these bad things. You don't whatever. Um, so yeah, I think they noticed, but they didn't really care to be mm -hmm. honest. They just kind of did their own thing and they ended up liking me somehow and uh, we were friends regardless, but they knew that there was like some difference there for sure. Mm -hmm. So how, how would you say that your faith or your experience of Christianity transformed during your high school years, I guess, like grade eight to grade 12? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So I'm thinking back now, I remember one of my friends actually started going to church probably in like grade nine, maybe grade 10. Um, and somehow we kind of like figured out that each other went to church and we're like, oh my God, like I have one friend who can come to church with me or go to this youth group with me. So she started going to her youth group and she invited me. Um, and I started going with her. And so it was actually really interesting because I feel like that period was probably the most connection I had with like 
a church base, I want to say, um, because before like our church was huge. I didn't know anybody. I didn't talk to anybody. I was too shy. I never went to like children's church or whatever. Um, so going to the youth group with my friend was like an easier way for me to meet people. And I was probably like the most connections I formed with other Christians and, I really enjoyed like the leaders that we had. And so, yeah, after leaving school was probably like the most genuine connection I would say I had with Christianity and God, which came to a bit of an ab- abrupt end at, at one point, which we can get into. But um, yeah, that period of time was probably the most I don't want to say secure, but maybe the least anxious, at least for a brief period I had about my relationship with God. Why do you think that is? Um, it's hard to say. I think, I want to say, I think like the youth pastors that I had during that time were kind of different than any like pastors that I had seen or known before them, like I had a relationship with them as opposed to like, this is the man standing at the front of the church telling me all the things that I better be sorry for doing. Um, Like I had a relationship with them and like we could just talk and I didn't feel like they were judging me. Like they were really just open about who they were their struggles like I'm sure there was still hints of some of those things that we've talked about because that's kind of how Christianity was taught about at the time but they were probably the most genuine least judgmental Christian leaders that I had met I guess and so that allowed you to like did you do you think that your understanding of like God changed or about his expectations of you or was it just that you got enough security from the relationship that you were you had with your leaders that it allowed for a little bit of relief from that anxiety um I think it was that I maybe didn't feel like I was such a bad person because I kind of got to see that like these people were normal and human Mm -hmm. too like because I got to know them like I could see that like they weren't perfect either not that they were doing anything but just like they were a normal person like we could just go and like eat cake and make jokes and be normal as opposed to I think growing up like the leaders in the church were always so far removed from me and Mm -hmm. seemed like they were perfect or I just assumed them to be. Um, And these people were just like normal people like me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I had a bit more of a sense of like, okay, maybe I'm not like doing everything wrong. Maybe I'm not this terrible person that's going to hell Um, because I think I looked up to them as, I don't want to say I looked up to them as Christians, but kind of, right? And Mm -hmm. so for me, seeing that like they could live out their faith as like a normal person, I was like, okay, maybe I'm all right. Mm -hmm. 
So would it be fair to say then that it wasn't so much that your understanding about God changed, it was the way that you saw yourself in relation to this religion that you had been born into? Yeah, I think so. I think it just felt less judgy maybe at that point because it always felt very like judgmental growing up, I guess. Well, I'm glad you had that briefly. Um, I, I guess let's get into it. What, what, uh, what is this abrupt end? Oh, um, so it's hard to say like where it really started, but I can remember being, I think 15, 15, maybe, or 16, almost 16. Um, and all of a sudden just having this like really, dark sense I don't know how to explain it I just felt dark like I felt um not happy and like nothing that I enjoyed in my life prior to that was enjoyable so I remember really vividly being Christmas or almost Christmas and I was always excited like oh my god I can't wait for Christmas and I want to make cookies and I want to this and I remember just feeling like nothing. Um, and it freaked me out. And like, looking back now, I'm like, probably was some depression. But at the time, I didn't know that. And I was basing it all like in my faith. So I started telling myself, like, no, this is the devil. Like, this is why it feels dark. Like he's coming into your life. You need to like pray about it and like get right with God. Um, and I really convinced myself that that's what it was. And no matter what I did, like I never prayed so much my life because it felt so bad and it just wasn't changing. Like nothing was happening. I just felt the same and I couldn't figure it out. Um, and I think, I don't know that I, like very clearly got to a point where I said like, we'll forget it then. But I think that's kind of what happened was like, look at me, I'm trying so hard here to get out of this and it's not working. So I'm just going to not care about God anymore because then I'll have to worry. Like I don't have to feel bad or negative or like, oh no, I'm doing everything wrong. If I just like, don't care and just say, forget it with God. So you were still having a pretty high level of anxiety around faith as well then during this time, like combined with not being able to feel enjoyment about anything that you used to. Yeah. And praying because you're, you've convinced yourself that this is like a spiritual attack. Yeah. But still then the anxiety around like I am, there's something wrong with me too. Like I. Yeah. I think because I convinced myself that the way I was feeling was tied to like my faith or relationship with God, then I like that just increased the anxiety because I became convinced that like I did something, not even that I did something wrong or like I was not, I was missing something. I wasn't doing something I was supposed to be doing because why is it not getting better if I'm praying and God's supposed to come and fix this. Um, And it just got, I think it was just too much that I was like, I can't feel like this anymore. So if I just stop caring 
about God, then I can just like not care about whether I'm doing it right, I guess. Did you talk to anybody about what you were feeling? No. I think I maybe like mentioned to mom, like, I don't know. I don't feel like excited about Christmas and like, I don't know why. And it's weird and I don't like it. And then I don't even remember the discussion we had, to be honest. I don't think I didn't definitely didn't say that. Like, I think it's the devil and I'm a bad bad person. Um, Definitely did not share that with anybody because I guess it was like shameful to me. I was like, I can't tell anybody like they'll, be like what's wrong with you what did you do Mm -hmm. um so I just kind of kept it to myself and decided that like I don't know that was it I guess I'm done with this was that an easy decision and I don't mean in the sense of like to make but was it easy for you to just kind of move away from that and not have that be a part of your thought life anymore at least no (laughs) okay I think it was always part of my thought life um, just to varying degrees. So I think when I said like, I'm done with God, kind of, I wasn't really done because I still in my head believed, like believed and thought like, well, if you're done with God, then you're definitely going to hell. I think I just convinced myself that like, oh, well, that's my fate then because I tried it and it didn't do anything for me. So, right. oh, well, and I just not going to think about it. Right. More or less. Did you find that it, this movement away, did it affect your behavior then? Like if you were constantly worried about having to act a certain way, so you would not make God unhappy and go to hell. If you just assume, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'm going to hell. Like were were the gloves off then at that point? You're just like, well, great. So here we go. Like all these things that I was not doing. Uh I don't think the gloves are off because I think I still had like, I don't know, like a moral compass, even if it wasn't attached to that. I like, I didn't want to go do a bunch of things. Right. I'm I'm being a little. No, no. I know what you mean, but I didn't really like have this want to go do a bunch of wrong things. I think I just blocked out. I just stopped thinking about it. Like if there were things that I thought like stupid things. Um, I just started focusing on other things instead of having to think about that. I have more shifted my anxieties to another place. (laughs) Yeah. So somebody looking from the outside, they'll probably, like, if you hadn't said anything, they wouldn't really have noticed too much different about your life. Maybe, like, did you go to church less or... I know not you still went with mom point. and dad. Yeah, not at that point. Later on, like a couple of years down the road. Yeah, but at that point, no, probably people wouldn't have noticed. Right. Yeah, like it almost sounds like you were caring for yourself by just letting go of it. Like that level of anxiety, you just, I know you say you shifted it and probably largely <laughs> you did, but yeah, that level of religious anxiety is crushing. Yeah, I think it was... Um, I was reading about this recently, actually, how, you know, there's a lot of talk about even in like anxiety and things like that, this flight or fight response, which I think was like a big piece of, um, even almost like the teachings, because it was like, you need to be on guard. Like the enemy is like coming and you better be on guard. And it was like that perpetuated this idea for someone who already has anxiety 
of like, oh my God, I'm constantly like watching for like the devil coming, me making sure I'm doing everything right. This Mm -hmm. person, like there was so much in that high level of anxiety. Yeah. You can only sustain for so long before like there's a crash. Right. So definitely I think it was necessary to survive probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not, not to throw mom under the bus, but her, (laughs) her brand of Pentecostalism was very, uh, like I remember, (laughs) man, I would have been eight or nine and I was in, I was in summer camp and I had some friends in summer camp and there was these trading cards that were based on, uh, horror movies. And like, I got a few of them and I brought them home and I don't remember even, I must've told mom about it or something, but like, I also at that time was having trouble sleeping, which you probably remember, like I was awful. And, and yeah, like it was, it was like, she basically was saying like, I had let in some, some spiritual, like demonic forces through these cards and I had to throw them away in order to get a good night's sleep, which like, (laughs) We love mom, but like that is probably not the thing to tell a nine-year-old who's already prone to anxiety. That I was, I was thinking about this the other day because I was thinking how I wasn't allowed to watch um, like Sabrina the Teenage Witch because, <laughs> because it was evil. And if I watched it, it was going to let evil into my life. And like, I was, I just wanted to watch a sh- funny show that my friends watched and like, it meant yeah. nothing to me, right? But yeah, that was kind of the the way of learning about mm-hmm. God for us. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fear, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So I guess like generally, where does it where does it go from there? Like faith wise. And um, I know that's probably about 18 years worth, but <laughs> pretty much. Um I guess faith-wise, I don't know that it really went anywhere. Like, I just kind of said goodbye and went through the motions because I didn't want, like, mom and dad to be mad at me that I wasn't going to go to church. Um, So I went and went basically until I was an adult and could say I'm not going. And even then it was like, oh, my goodness. There were tears. Oh, for sure. I'm sure there was probably a lot of prayers said on my behalf um, because I wasn't going. And yeah. so that was a whole nother thing because now I feel like I've disappointed them, which was the whole thing I was trying to avoid at the beginning. But I think I had like made this decision that like dealing with their disappointment was easier than dealing with me constantly feeling like I was doing everything wrong and like I wasn't good enough. um for god or whatever and so like i could deal with the like mom's upset every sunday and then at least i had the week to just not have to feel as anxious i guess Mm -hmm. did you tell mom and dad that like did you ever explain your reasons for not going to church and um definitely not then i don't think we've ever really had like a conversation about it that sounds about right. <laughs> it was more just I stopped going and she was sad. And then we didn't talk about it. And mm-hmm. then they'll be like, 
yeah I mean since then there's always kind of like the little like well are you praying well you should read your bible and like little things thrown in mm-hmm. every every here and there but you've um, never been like mom the reason I don't do those things is because I constantly felt like a failure and was so anxious about going to hell it was like destroying me no so please leave me alone <laughs> No, I said like, that's not helpful. Like that you're making me anxious. So you have to stop, but not like so clearly how you have so eloquently put it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I do have one question actually. So Mm -hmm. I have many questions. That's the whole point. But so when I was 21, you probably remember I had a pretty dramatic. Yes whatever conversion experience or whatever it is you want to so much anxiety for me okay so so what how did you because you thought what like how did that impact you what did what did that I had a lot of thoughts let's just say so first was that oh my goodness I better never be called up to the front of the church in front of everybody I will die Mm -hmm. I thought (laughs) I was dying to be fair. Yes. From then on, I was like, I don't even want to go because God forbid they call me out in front of everybody. And I was like petrified every time I would like go to the bathroom near the end just to avoid in case they might call people. <laughs> call yeah. people. <laughs> so sorry, I'm just going to pause there for anybody that's listening. So what happened? I was in church and they there there was a guest speaker that day and they said the guest speaker before I think he even started speaking, he was like, God told me that there's like three people here that um, are like, I can't remember the words he used, like dealing with some issues or something like that. And like two people went up and he's like, okay, there's still one person. And like, I know it's me. Like, I feel like I'm going to throw up, but I'm like, nope, I'm not going. And then he comes to our section of the church and he's like, it's, it's someone here in this section. And then he said it was a young man in this section. And I was like, oh, okay. So I guess I better go because <laughs> this is, this is not going to end until I go up. So yeah. yes. So that's the story of what happened. And I think I was sitting beside you. Yeah. It was literally my worst nightmare. Yeah. What happened? Like that was my worst nightmare if that ever happened to me. Um, yeah. So that created a lot of anxiety. And then I think I also had this, like, if this is really like me letting the cat out of the bag of all my weird thoughts, but I definitely had this thought in my head that like, our whole family had to be saved before like we could die Mm -hmm. or else like we weren't going to die. Like, because God wouldn't let like some of us go to heaven and some of us go to hell. So I think when that happened, I was like, Oh my God, everyone's saved in the family. It's me. I'm going to be the one person who's left out and like everyone else is good. And I'm going to be the one in hell where everybody else (laughs) I thought you said nobody, nobody could die until we were all saved. Wouldn't that be, you would be the one keeping us alive. Yeah. But then like, if the world ended, that was a big okay. thing for me too. The world ending was like a major anxiety thing for oh, me. Oh, we're going to, we're going to get back to that. Oh God. I have some thoughts. But. Oh, it was very bad, but yes. So that was my thought was like, oh my God, like I'm the only one kind of thing. Can I say, um, by the way, I'm pretty sure at least partly those thoughts is because mom would have dreams. <laughs> about she she I'm sure she told you right like all of us being in church together so like certainly like this feeling of yeah like we all needed to be 
saved. Like there is, there is this like completeness that was awaiting. So anyways, yeah. I say all that to say, I don't think that was just your crazy thoughts. Like I'm <laughs> sure some of that was communicated to you in subtle oh, well, and not so subtle ways, but sorry, please continue. I think I was done. Yeah. It was a lot of anxiety for me. I don't remember what we were talking about other than that. My, my crazy conversion. Yeah. It was just, a, it was anxiety for me. Anxiety provoking for sure. And then I don't know. I think I was just like, okay, like that's just not, I'm not, it's not happening for me. Like mm -hmm. happens for everyone else. But like, I also didn't want it to happen because I don't want to be called out, but I was like, why does everybody else like feel this thing they're supposed to feel? And I don't feel it. Like I didn't, I don't think I ever really like felt connected. Like I never, you know, we go to church and like, everyone seems so into it. And I was like bored and I couldn't like stop looking at the, the clock. Like, is this done yet? It's just like, not, I'm just not into it. And like people are like raising their hands and I'm like, I don't know, like I could do it, but I don't, it's not genuine for me. So I think I felt like everyone else like gets this somehow, like they're, they're feeling something that like, I'm not feeling, I don't know. Right. Which didn't necessarily make you think it's not real. It's, it was much more, okay, so something's wrong with me. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like I don't, oh, I a hundred percent thought it was real. Right. I just thought like, I don't know why I don't feel that way. <laughs> going back to the world ending how many times in your life did you think mom and dad had been raptured oh it still happens to this day like I'm right. not afraid to admit it like I many 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 times I remember one day the most the time that I thought it happened the most was when I was still living at home with them and I got up and in Oakville in Oakville okay I, I got up and they weren't, they were nowhere. And I was like, what is happening? Like they wouldn't be anywhere and they just weren't there, but it was like the cars were there mm -hmm. and the TV was on. And I was like, what is happening? And then <laughs> it just so happened that CNN was on. And I don't remember why this was the news story, but the the tagline of the news story was the morning after and I was like oh my god it <laughs> happened that's it it happened I'm here they're all gone the news is even talking about it because that was the thing I would do was like check the news to see if right. like people disappeared because left behind it was like that was how it was going to go down yeah and so I was convinced that was it many many yeah. many times so yes. many times so again for anybody listening who doesn't know rapture is the rapture is one understanding within the wider Christian tradition that Jesus is going to come back, take his church, and then basically the world's going to fall apart, and then he will come back again. So if you're a Christian or a nominal Christian and the rapture happens and you're left behind, hence the name of the book series, uh, that's bad news. Very, very bad news. So <laughs> just to give a little context to, again, anybody listening, when Nat was three or four. We were like playing. Four. Okay. We were playing hide and go seek in our old house. And usually Nat would be found within five minutes. And if not, she would start making noises and we would find her. But this one time she hid and we couldn't find her and you didn't make any noises. 
And I think you were hidden for like a good half hour. And, and my mom was convinced <laughs> it was the rapture. Like that was because Jesus is going to take the babies. Um, so well, they're innocent. They're innocent. They're innocent. So that was fun for me. <laughs> Your parent worried that the raptures happened. Also a little hurtful that she would think I would also be left behind at nine, but we won't go into that. You were innocent enough. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that was a big, that was a big part of anxiety. Well, it was all tied to like the, I'm going to hell thing. Like that was also part of it. Right. Like if, mm -hmm. if that happened before I happened to die and go to hell, I was definitely getting left behind. Yeah. Very true. Man, it was messed up. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's circle back to kind of the beginnings of yeah some of your mental health challenges and where all that stemmed from. I guess like what would be your earliest memories, and then how do you remember it progressing as you got older? Yeah, earliest memories are like OCD behaviors, as we talked about. Like I can remember them. Honestly, like the earliest memories I have, I remember like having compulsive behaviors um, over various things that I was worried about or not even worried about, just like I felt compelled to do. Mm -hmm. um, and that was probably like, I want to say like four or five years old. And then that went on for many years and just kind of changed compulsions with whatever I was having anxiety over at the time. Um, and just a lot of anxiety as a child, like even outside of the compulsion. So just, I didn't feel, I think I felt like everything in my world was like not safe. Um, like looking back, right? At the time I didn't obviously know what was going on. I just remember feeling constantly worried. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, yeah, it was kind of this sense of like, nothing is safe and not safe in necessarily like a danger way, but safe, like emotionally, physically, mentally, whatever it might be. Like I, I could not, I remember mom taking me to children's church one time. I had to be like four years old and I bawled my eyes out, could not go in because I was just like petrified of like the social interaction of having to be with people I didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, that persisted for many, many years. It got slowly better, but yeah, the social anxiety was a huge thing. Could not interact mm -hmm. with people I didn't know um, or didn't know well. Mm -hmm. And just being worried about everything, like, the worries were always changing, but just a general sense of like, things are not safe. And I need to somehow like control my world to either like help me not worry or feel less anxious or like, so that bad things won't happen to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you say about the social anxiety part. Like I, I certainly remember that for you and yet I also remember you having some pretty good friendships though, too. So, I mean, it, it makes sense. You're talking about people that maybe you don't know very well, but there was also that other side of you that, you know, at least from the outside, some of those friendships that you would have, but 
um, where do you think that sense of danger or unsafety, I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it came, came from. I mean, I think part of it is, it's hard to know like what came first. I think it kind of is like circular. Like, was I anxious because I had anxiety? Was I anxious because like my environment made me anxious and then it kind of fed it. I think it's hard to know kind of what came first. I think I was probably already somewhat like just prone to being anxious. Um, but I think one, the religious environment didn't help because for me it was very um I thought about this a lot like now looking back at the time no or not even till like probably within the last year that um is very like black and white it is all or nothing like it's a sinner it's not you're saved or you're not good versus evil and um that is like very typical anxiety thought process, right? Is like, it's this or it's that. And there's no room for any kind of middle ground acceptance of both things. And so for somebody who already struggles with anxiety, that thought process wasn't helpful. And then I think like home environment <laughs> didn't help. Um, Probably, I think there was two very different ways of parenting and I didn't know how to behave then as a result. Like I didn't know what was coming or what to expect, um, which was very, um, it was like, I was constantly uh, like walking on eggshells. Like, I don't know what is like, what is the expected behavior today? You know, which parent can I do this? If I can't do that with that parent, but I can with this one. Like it was so, there was so much unknown that it was constant anxiety because there was no like clear, I guess, guideline of like how I should behave or like a clear, um, what the response was going to be. It was like, what's going to happen? And it's constantly kind of trying to manipulate my behavior to fit what I thought each parent wanted, I guess. And then, like you said, OCT is, OCD is, it's an anxiety response, but it's, it's an attempt to control the little yeah. bit that you can. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't put that together. Like, no, certainly for not. For many years. Um, but it makes sense looking back that I felt the need to, um, yeah, exert some kind of like control over the things in my environment that I could, I guess, mm -hmm. or that I felt like uh, were threats, but I could do something about. Yeah. Ironically and sadly, a lot of those compulsive behaviors probably made it even more unsafe feeling though within the home environment because it just wasn't like understood <laughs> like I didn't understand no, it, I, it, didn't, it made no sense to me like I was like I don't understand why yeah you no, were it doing definitely. this or um I, I don't think anyone did and like I don't think the general 
public at that point really knew much about like OCD. I don't remember it ever being talked. I didn't know. I just mm-hmm. knew like I needed to do these things. Um, it wasn't really like discussed. Nobody really knew about that widely like they do now, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there was a lot of um, frustration in the family with the behaviors because they were annoying <laughs> and no one knew why I was doing them. So it just uh, was frustrating to everyone else because they didn't know what it was. Like why these things, why was I doing these things? Just stop doing them. Yeah. Yeah. Which then, it, yeah, this is like terrible cycle of, you know, the, the environment is part of the reason that's causing the anxiety, which is making the OCD worse, but then the compulsions of the OCD are making the environment more anxiety producing. So there was really no way out of it. Like it was just looking back. I don't even, I mean, I know I was like young, so, but like, I don't know how we didn't, it was just not normal. Like there's, there was nothing about it that is just like, oh yeah, like, I guess some people do this. Like, well, no, they don't. Like, this is not you just being weird or like trying to be difficult. Like this was. I think that like, they really thought I was trying to be difficult though. Sometimes. I don't know. Maybe that was just like what they told themselves. Um, I don't know. I feel like I I remember mom saying that she talked to some people at her work though. And they either. I feel like they diminished it or like played it off. Like, oh yeah, she's just whatever. I know that she talked to my teacher in grade five and said like, have you noticed her doing this stuff in class? And he was like, yeah, kids are weird. They do weird things. My daughters do weird things. And that was pretty much it. And so she was like, okay, I guess kids just are weird, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which they are, but like, yeah, but this was beyond like this was, this was something I couldn't control. Right. It was different than just having like a quirk. I could not physically not not do these things. Yeah, there's a difference between like weird behavior and a kid who can't stop washing their hands to the point right. where it they're like raw and bleeding. Like that is not right. That's not normal. Right. I don't yeah. mean normal in like a thing, but that's that's not within like a accepted range of developmental anyways. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't think people talked about it then. So I guess not. No one knew. Yeah not knowing too much like did those things bring relief though at the time I think with OCD like it's temporary it's like I need to do this in the moment because I just need to like have this anxiety go away Mm -hmm. um but that's the thing is like not dealing with it and just keep doing the compulsions it's just a cycle like it's just gonna keep I just keep doing it because I have told my brain now, like, oh, this works. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm worried I'm gonna have germs. I'm gonna wash my hands. Now I'm not worried for however long. So the next time I'm worried, I wash my hands. Like, and you're just reinforcing it, right? So mm-hmm. it definitely helps like bring down the anxiety briefly, but not in general. But unless right. you have like skills and and learn what you need to do and and know to, to manage that, like you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to. Just briefly going back to kind of the the faith aspect of it. What was the connection between how you understood faith and then your experience of OCD? Like, did you see that as a, 
as a sin? Was it something else that you were failing at? Was there really no connection for you? Um, there was a connection with some of the compulsions and I definitely didn't see it as a sin for me. It was like, I need to do these compulsions for the faith aspect of things. So, um, like there were, yeah, there were just certain ones that were like, I need to do this to make sure that like, I'm not letting any like bad things into my life or my head or whatever. And so I would do those compulsions and like convince myself, okay, good. Like now I'm you know, I'm not doing anything bad or like the devil's not going to be able to like get in through this way or whatever it was. So right. there were ones that were tied to that for sure. And the other ones were just, I felt like I needed to do them. I didn't really like put a morality to them mm-hmm. per se. So how long do you think that that lasted? Most of my life, I would okay. say. Yeah, I think they changed. They changed over time and decreased during periods of time. But I think they're always like, definitely throughout childhood and like teenage, I would say was probably the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, And then still like some as an adult, but less so, Mm -hmm. I guess. That's our show for today. Special thanks to Mark Calvitis for the podcast cover art. This podcast deals with some pretty serious topics. If you are struggling with your mental health or are thinking about suicide, please reach out to a trusted friend or some other person you know loves and cares for you. There are also professional supports available. Please go online and visit Crisis Services Canada to find the distress centres and crisis organizations nearest you or call the Canada Suicide Prevention Service at one 833 456-4566. They are available to talk 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you are under 29, the Kids Help Phone has professional counselors available to provide confidential and anonymous care. Call them toll-free at 1-800-668-6868 or text the word CONNECT to 686868. If you have any questions, feedback, or suggestions about today's or any other episode, please email podcastdarkly21 at gmail.com. If you appreciate and enjoy this podcast, please subscribe or give it a rating on whichever podcast app you use, since apparently that makes it more likely other people will find it. Finally, because it's always good to end with a blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. As always, thanks for listening.